Welcome to Intrinsic Indignation from a Homie's Perspective Podcast, where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world. What do we have in store today? Tune to find, find more. Good morning, good day, good afternoon, everybody out there in Pod Land. You are tuned to another episode of Sick Motivation from a Homie's Perspective. This is Hanan. And I'm Brandon. And we have a really special guest today, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, I'd like to thank all of our, our listeners who reach out to us on a daily basis. All of our profiles, be it iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and all the above, you, I think you guys are in for a treat. One of the episodes we talked about was the um, There's No Accidents, and we were talking about God links and synchronicity, and I believe our guest today can speak volumes on that subject matter. Uh, first and foremost, we have an octogenarian, everyone. That means recently he just finished his book after eight, the year of 80 years age. And anyone that is in their 20s, 30s, 40s that says that it's too late to do anything may want to stop listening now before you might think that our guest is, is an apple. I'm hearing that he is not. <laughs> His first book is The Twelve Elves to Joy and Happiness, Finding the Kingdom of God that that is. He with 12 Steps with Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, helps uh, work as a scientist. He's worked with people in the Catholic Church even if they haven't dealt with well, liquor or drugs for the addictions standpoint. Uh, he has worked in a 12-step recovery program for 21 years. He's actually an engineer. As a clicker, has over 18 patents. Love to hear more about that. And those that believe that love does not exist, he has been in a loving marriage for over 57 years. I go on and on with his accolades, but I'm sure you'd rather hear from our Martin instead of me. Without ado, I'd like to wave Peter's cast. Welcome, David. I, I, it, and uh, thanks for asking me to on your, your podcast. It, yes, it's a great honor. Yes, thank, thank you. Um, I'm just so enamored and inspired just before even getting started. Uh, I, I want to start with our first and then we can work our way you just finished your first book, The Steps to Joining Us, Finding the Kingdom of God That Lies Within. Usually people after 80, there's a stereotype that they're on the guards for fishing, and you were, by a typewriter or computer, finishing a book. What made you write a book in life? Well, I've been working in the, in the spiritual realm, the science realm, uh, for well over 60 years. And, and I've been aware, as, as, as I approached my birthday, I'm 84, to be exact, and, and uh, I began to, to reflect back on my life and, and realize I've had an extraordinary experience of, of knowing uh, the presence of God here, right now, all the time, for the years. Ever since I was, I can remember back when I was four years old, having no experience. And, and uh, so I said, I have to keep it out because I'm only going to be here for uh, 
20 users, and, and uh, so, so I just decided that uh, it, it, it became time. What happened is I started a blog. There's a friend of mine who encouraged me a blog, uh, and, uh, which, which I started back in about 77, and uh, I put it every week. And after a while, I began to realize Hutz is a book. Actually, put it together. So that took me another two years, and then it took two years to publish it. Interesting. Now, the thing that I, I'd like to know is: Are you familiar with Bert Goldman? With the man by the name of Bert Goldman? No, no, I'm not. Okay. So Bert Goldman he is a fossil. And he, he, I was introduced to him back in 2008, and he, he he's more famously known for doing uh, the subject matter about quantum jumping, and, and I'm going to cover quantum mechanics on, from your perspective as well. Yeah, and he he's just great in that you know 85 title. He's an avid painter. He's a blogger. He's a video. I mean, he's a video blogger. And you know the number. He's a number for sure. You know, when it goes by, it's just one more day. Do I feel 84? Oh, I'm not sure what 84 people are supposed to feel like, but I, I don't feel in, in my in my feelings that much more than than that someone 40. Yeah. Still have a great interest in life. It's so exciting. It's so cool. I'm not a golfer, fish on occasion, but, uh, and I live in um, a, a wonderful spot in up New York, but we're looking the about 80 acres at the top, and uh, enjoying life. I love it. I love it. Now, you said that you remember an incident at Frizzle. Could you give us some more detail of that? Of yeah. Uh, um, at about years old, my, my, my parents and, and my brother, who was five years old, was older than I, and I had moved out country uh, in central Ohio, actually northern Ohio, in northwest of Cleveland. And my dad, dad had fire sitting on a farm, and there was nobody of my age within a couple miles of me. So I would spend the days just wandering the fields and uh, talking to the imaginary people. And I began to realize at that point that I was talking to God. God and I carried a great, great conversation. Of course, I was only four. It was at my level. But it was, I, I can recall that very clearly. And I can recall I went by and I started school about in, in third or fourth or fifth. Uh, 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 most people don't have this kind of uh, a relationship with God. And uh, I, I kept it to myself for a very long time. But I, I was certainly well aware of the uh, experience. Uh, sense that I had of the presence of God in my life. Now, let me ask you, uh, people always say that 
you know, 2018 is different than, you know, times past. There's more awareness and such. But I argue that point, especially with you. I mean, we have, um, you know, folks, people from from Nicola, um, what's his other guy's name? I think Neville Goddard. You know, some of the others. It was a huge history in the 19, early 1900s, and it seems like there's a research now. And when, as you were talking about noticing that others didn't have or didn't seem to have relationships that they had, it reminds me of a, 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 a I was listening to Abraham tape, and a, Esther was channeling Abraham, and they were about before Jerry had transitioned as well. But yep. Jerry was brought up in... Uh, the Dale Carnegie School, and you know, when friends and once people, and you know, and he, uh, they were talking about you know Dale Carnegie, and and, and he had he had come through in the channel, and you know, long story short, they say, well, why didn't you share all of that other information that you knew? And he his reply was that you know the people at the time weren't ready or you know, to be able to they felt that this wouldn't sell if it, if they were more woo uh, and talking more about <laughs> relationships with the spirit. Right, right. That's true, and, and I'm aware of that. And, and I, it's amazing some of the extraordinary people like Einstein and that who who had this sense of God all of their lives. I'm in fairly uh, groups of people, I, I watch them get excited and be excited about this, and, but this is very follow through like I have within my book. I outlined a, a methodology of actually following through on it, and, and it just kind of, kind of dissipates most people. And they go back to their home life where the life just kind of kind of along and pass without anything like extraordinary into them to, to, uh, to keep them alive. It, and it's I decided that uh, with my experience with the 12-step movement and some of the most alive people I've ever met have been ex-addicts, addicts, addicts who, who have who been a singer and, and, uh, and have had an experience every day, but they, they work at it every day. Every day. And uh, so what I've done is to, to effectively take the 12-step movement and kind of modify steps so it doesn't appear only for addicts, but it's for anybody who is in life, and, and uh, put it down, down as, as this is a, a methodology. I didn't write the book to sell, per se. I wrote the book to help, and for who I work, it is for, I'm very happy. And, and so that's the thought process that I went through and actually put put the book together. It is a working program. How to work the process yourself so that you can trust God to in your life to provide everything that you need in life, not want, but need, need to live a good life, even in the process of a, a transitioning. That's a good point, Dave. And in keeping the addictions, I do want to stay there in a second because you mentioned yeah. that you had many people that start out with your program and with your modifications, and then they kind of fall off. 
And you say that that is attributed to, and I'm guilty of this as well, would you say that it is attributed to our addictions and the vision of, of what we think it is? And so if, if we don't see that progress immediately, then we're like, like well, he's going to bunch of halloui. Yes. Uh, the the 12th movement per se, when that has to happen in life, I have discovered, and, and I think most people who have dealt with, uh, with, the, with, the, with the spirit realm in, in any... Uh, one of my favorites is, is Father Richard And they talk about the fact that you go through a crisis to where you get back and say, Michael isn't functioning. I, I'm not working right. Something is wrong. And that's when the approach of the 12th step takes you further. And, uh, I find that a person going through first stages of life, uh, growing up and getting educated and being uh, uh, your life or not, but finding your life structure, finding a career and going through, and if you have children, raise them, and, and then there's a big hole in life. What do you do? And that's the kind of person that I, I want to be able to, uh, to show the whole world. a path that works. There's lots of paths, but, but this is a path that works. Dave, let me go back for a second. Yes, at any age, you were very aware you were having conversations with your, at that time, you referred to his imaginary friend, but then you realized that you were having, you were looking to God. And then, then so I was just wondering what it was like as growing up when you said you were uh, raised Catholic, so you go into church where you're, you're learning about God and, and taught God and Jesus and the Bible and whatnot, and at the same time, you're getting it, getting, you know, to the, getting it right from the perverted person's mouth. So, was there any what you're reading from your conversations as opposed to what someone was telling you when you were in church? It was, it was extremely fortunate growing up. Uh, my parents were uh, really active in the church. Also, they were originally active back in times when... But anybody within the radio there are members of the NAACP back in the piece of, of the other side of Cleveland, and they were the only Caucasians in the whole organization. Oh, wow. And so I grew up, up at, you know, having very mixed a relationship. They had trans professors and poor people and rich people and all kinds of things. And fortunately, now, our church... The pastor that was assigned was uh, an extraordinary man had Parkinson's disease. And so he retired from the seminary, and he came out. He was uh, a Montenegro, William Newton, was, uh, was one of the brilliant men around, Bible scholar. And he, he, he ran a, a vital session group that my parents took me to when I was just a kid. Now I'm talking probably 10, 11, 12, every week. And I was just this far, and I would listen. And when you have a, a Mr. Simpson talking like that, you speak so much because they were speaking truth, speaking only what the Bible says. They were speaking what 
lies behind those those words. And uh, so when you get down to that, it's very different than what it is brought up with, with just uh, with just the surface word. And and, and so I, I began a lifelong study of God, and I have used many many different sources. Conversation God, but by I know Donald Wall has been one of my favorites. I teach a uh, well, I teach. I kind of lead a a weekly discussion just about those series of books. Right, not a book on that. Uh, and, and that's that's the kind of thing that I've been involved in all my life. And, and uh, I find it, I feel that it was revenue that most, most people, the people who are really really understand. I'm not uh, a, a uh, a religion fanatic, but I am a God fanatic. Okay. All right. <laughs> I still go to the church. I'm uh, with the people, the people that we're with, and uh, and that's my community and the community, and that's where you find God. Absolutely. So, uh, when you, I want to kind of talk about addiction, and yeah. men mentioned that you know they when they come to the other side, because it was more of a tra- transforming metamorphosis that uh, they have through, or not they, but I think we as a whole right, have to go through a crisis. And right. so, my question is, it made me think of a couple of people when you said, it made me think of uh, Sylvia Brown, for she uh, is it Sylvia Brown? Yeah, Sylvia Brown. No, and she had transitioned, and I her going to see her speak a couple of times, and she's just like, I don't want to come back again. Like, even though I know all of this, like, I didn't sign up for all, all of the contrast. And then, you know, if we're all the same, right, we're in the creative so the Bible, Jesus says, well, you know, you forsake me. And so I wanted to know, in your life path, in your timeline, what crisis did you go through and then the question, because you had a relationship since, you know, three and a half years old, and on the people on the outside wonder, well, if you have these relationships, you have to go through any contract. Okay, that's the other side of the story. Uh, besides having all that, that they also have eventually they had clinical depression, and I didn't know what it was. And I just know that it, I just knew that I felt terrible all the time. And I didn't understand. And uh, my behavior, because when you feel like that, that you do things that, that uh, to take to, to, to the pressure. And sometimes the things are not particularly good for you. I got into some behavior patterns that, that get into the 12th step. And, and Eventually led me to the point of of, of uh, a very good psychiatrist and and doctor setup uh, told me that I was dealing with and I had to do certain things to, to avoid that. It, it, it was severe, but it was bad enough. Not it, it caused but that kept me constant on the. the uh, you may say on my knees, mm-hmm. and 
starting back probably in my mid-20s, to spend every day talking to this friend of mine. And in fact, I think even when things were really, really tough, I was, I was kind of put aside. There were times in my life that was very difficult. And, and, and on the outside, I was a very person. I had a very engineering career, and uh, I was leading several groups, doing other things, but at the same time, this terrible feeling. And then that's what drew back constantly to where I uh, this place I could escape those by sitting on myself dwell into the, the presence of God, which is right here, right there, as you are. So that I mean, was the trust where I began to actually crystallize the steps that I had. I had, I had been using these steps, following them the steps. Until that I began to learn the 12 of them. And again, this is one of these steps uh, that God gave me was an extraordinary individual who's, who, who sponsored Bill Wilson, who was of AA, and who had other problems, including depression, and applied it to that. And, and the sheer luck managed to uh, to kill him. It was Tom Powers. He has passed. Uh, he transitioned back in, in uh, 2004 at age 90. I learned much about what was uh, behind the 12 steps, what, what was the actual functionality. And I combined my studies of, of theology, which I've read what thousand books, imagine, watch any TV, so I can read a lot, a lot. And, and uh, that's the kind of thing that has kept me going all the time. And that's what drove me to constant daily meditation for about an hour, give or take, uh, days. Camilla. <laughs> I love it. When you were running your engineering company, how many hours did you work? Operation, but, but it's, a, it's a very tiny company. There's only 19 of us. It, it's pretty, pretty much self-meaning. I go in every day for three to four hours. I go look we need it. But you only three to four hours just to be there to, 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 to turn my face around. And uh, if, if we, uh, we have several meetings like the week to go over what's going on and big moves and things like that is the most active thing. But it's pretty much sustaining, so it doesn't really take a lot of them. But uh, it, it just requires having uh, care, you might say. Oh, absolutely. TLC is really important, and it, and it must have been sent uh, you for forming that company and, and keeping it afloat and feeding families. So you definitely want the economy to be there. Uh, yeah, I have to say. Going up and down. It, 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 we had a, a 28 people and as few as 12 people, depending upon some of the economic conditions that occurred. And, and the pain, believe me, that's a, a thing they have to reduce. But if, if, and, uh, so, so that you, you go through that, you know, through 
had the company now for 20 years, as, as I said earlier. And, and uh, so my, my partner and I, he does, he does most of the financial backing and that, uh, and the day-to-day functionality. What's that name? Uh, it's computer grab of flight simulation. Oh, okay. And we sell, sell worldwide. And uh, so that's a very... Still, I've, I've been in the world for almost 50 years now. It'll be years next year. And I still find it very, very fascinating. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was asking how long you spent because, you know, as an entrepreneur or a small business owner, you usually leave your your day-to-day job, your corporate job, and wind up work, working <laughs> more at the beginning. So I was just wondering you were sun-up-to-sun-down type of guy. No, I was, but uh, that's not at, at this point in time. That's and some uh, <laughs> very good people have been with us a long time. Like you mentioned, is, is, has been with us for uh, about 20 so. So he kind of runs run through the engineering. I mean, I talk with the sales group every day. That's the kind of thing that, that that does not require a lot of a lot of effort. At you know, it isn't something that we're trying to crash into the big time and things like this. It just goes along and and it's it's a, a program very unique. Those that can use it like like. like uh, find it very, very, and, and, and enables them to function at a reduced cost, cost compared to they used before. So that's, that's, that's what we do. Now, Dave, are you familiar with Dr. Jack, Jack Cruz? With what? Dr. Jack Cruz? Doesn't sound familiar, no. Okay. The reason I was, asked, I was kind of beating around the bush initially, I was, I was asking about when you had gone through the clinical depression, I was associating it with the number of hours that you may have worked. And Dr. Jack Cruz, you could do some searches, or for those listening, maybe searches on YouTube. He's a neurosurgeon, and he was remarking on how it looks like it's an increased number of people going clinical depression. I, myself, I lost a sister two years ago to clinical depression, and, and so he was trying to, to address these issues. And one of the things that he was highlighting um, as a as a, a number of is he used to be a 350 pound man uh, 350 pound man and in his months I want to say he lost 150 pounds and he did it without he did it without exercise or diet like many people say he had, was addressing the mitochondria and sun that entered our eye and how we don't in society we just don't have enough access to the sun we don't have a relationship to nature, being around around a lot of blue light and being out of the sunlight can contribute to, to depression. So I was just wondering, you know, I was putting some, some correlation between you having depression potentially by opening yourself out like people do today. What I found myself doing was overworking enough to avoid the depression because <laughs> when you concentrate on some of other things, that helps take away that thing that that uh, that focuses and builds up the instant you stop. I did do a lot of work. I did. Uh, uh, you know, we have seven children, my wife and I, and I, I was not 
as good a father as I could have because of that. And, and, and that drove me to try to find help within the, the uh, technical depression, well, which I didn't know at that time. You know, causing me to act like was the fact that I had a great relationship. Uh, that doesn't really make, make sense in life to be the perfect. And I mean, that's just, just how it is. And, and uh, so God gave me this to force us to get to, after a while, get my app after. It's a long time, but There's so much things in your talking things. We, uh, a few podcast episodes before this one, we interviewed uh, a young lady by the name of Pam Black out of Miami. He's a consultant to attorneys and such. So she did with attorneys from all walks of life, from solopreneurs to those of the cover, uh, corporate or mm-hmm. in the public arena. And one of the things in her book, that she interviewed a lot of these people to find out, you know, what with her successes and such, a lot of them were mentioning that they came into entrepreneurship to avoid depression, as you mentioned. So so surprising that you too have that, and there may be some correlation between entrepreneurship and and, and, and depression, because entrepreneurship keeps you on your toes, focusing on something else, like you're saying, you're being present. And in many times, times you have the clinical depression, you're not in the present moment. You're thinking something that happened in the past, something that is just a what's your take on that? Yeah, it, it's, what happened with me was, it, 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 I have the depression. It, it, it's like a thing that's there. It doesn't need me to, to think future or the past particularly. It's just something that's there. And if I pay attention to it, it can hurt me. So I just have to sit it and say, okay, there, this won't aggravate it. And by, by, by not watching TV, by not doing uh, that, uh, up not looking to news, paying attention to anything that, that can, I can, can aggravate the, uh, the tension mode within the body, uh, I can cut that to this. And so and then God and I talk. I use the conversation with God often during the daytime to, to to help me just cut that aside, push it off a little, a little. There, it didn't really particularly harm. It just sits over there. It's just there. It's something I can observe. Self-observation is actually one of the key things that that you learn to do within within some of the workings that that I have in the Enneagram and some of these other things. To, you know, to help keep things organized in their proper place in life. I love it. It reminds me of, of Tim Tempest, who had the four-hour work week. He had come out, I want to say, in 2007. So, uh, you know, in, at the time, in, in the political realm, you kept hearing weapons of mass destruction, WMDs. And so Tim Ferriss had kind of flipped that, that phrase to uh, weapons of mass destruction, and and it seems, you know, in the past terrorists, there are a lot of things that are competing for your time, or as they actually say in the tech world, competing for your, your eyeball. And so either at every, every moment I have to be on social media, I have to always be distracted from, like you said, having that relationship and the quietness, and that's the only time you can have that. It's important, I believe, 
that you're going to put yourself in a position that aggravates things that you that that you. It's, uh, and we, we we tend to have that uh, way of operating. That you see, here's something that you want to delve into, and it's almost always something not good. And, and actually, the discipline to learn is to say, okay, yeah, and then just go away from it. If I need to know, I'll find out more. But I don't need to do more. And that's the key, uh, you know, with, the, with some of the political realities and, and, and what's going on. And I, I'm extremely conscious of it. And I certainly promote certain uh, values and to do with, with my vision God leads me to a value path that I have very, very strongly, which I support very, very strongly. But I'm very careful with it that it doesn't occupy too much of my time. And uh, I can learn to relax. I can, I can just sit back. I can enjoy. I, I love reading science books and, and uh, cosmology books as well as as good, good theologics, spiritual books by mystical people like Richard Rohr, Bene uh, Day Brown, and the other ones like that. that uh, so that's that's right, my time. James, let me ask you: Have, have you ever heard of a book, book, a book, book called Urantia? Yes. Oh, okay. okay. Just kind of, um, what were your thoughts on that book? I started in it, and said, this is not how I view God. And uh, I, I found some in it, but I found very heavy going. Yeah. And, and I said, I don't need that. that. Yeah. It's it's good. I probably read about it a little bit. It's, it's a huge box. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I probably read about a third of it, too, through the book. <laughs> and I read about a third of it. And I said, hey, I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. So I wanted to ask you another quick question. You, you know, in your book, you mentioned Jesus talks about... Uh, See first the kingdom of God, and all sorts will be granted to you. And right, you right. talk about abundance, and when did you realize that abundance in your life was really kind of a result of you being seeker of the kingdom of God? Probably 20 years ago. 20 years ago? Yeah, you know, I had all these extraordinary lucky things that happened to me. People say, boy, you said that, you know what? I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. For myself. And about 20 years ago, because I was uh, doing one of my lives of conversing with God, uh, and it told me, I said, I had read that, and I said, of course, that's what's going on. I tried to do the right thing for me, and believe me, whether I know it or not. Because what did the profession, babe, definitely don't have worries. It doesn't mean that you don't get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and then walk the floor when that's is not that good in the morning. It, it, all these things are there. But when you do it in the long run, in, in, in the long run, do it with me from early age, 
put it into the hands of God. What will happen? I'll do everything I can do. But what will happen? Be good. No matter what it is. And I can be saying that even when I transition. It's good. And, and that's the approach that we leave that to do happy life. Okay? And help us. It's good. Life is good, but even more than we think. And I don't know through that. You know, we all go through periods when, when life can be extremely difficult. And, 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 and you get through it and step back and say, oh, it's not bad. Vacations. I made. Uh, uh, I met my, my wife in Long Island, Ohio. I drove to the Mile House at the one, and we walked across the street from from where she used to the church where we met back in 1960. And and uh, and for me, it was never first sight. It's amazing that that you know, there she was. It took her a little longer. A year later, we got married, so it, it really wasn't that much. Better. And. Uh, it was that we lived, lived and we had five kids in '97. We came to New York on a vacation, our first real vacation, and 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 we camped at the Fairlix, beautiful, and a gorgeous area. And I said, "Ah, what can people live up here? I'm a television specialist. I, I deal with the visual world, how often sees, you know, and how television works to." What a person doesn't see, they do. And and this was August. That November, I I lost my job. I did seven hundred and fifty other engineers for the company that I worked with. And I sat back there and I said, God, what not? So I sent out my money to various people, and 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 there was a three-minute ad in the, in the New York Times that Sunday, which I answered seven or two. I got a call back about a month saying uh, that they'd like to talk to you. I said, where is it? It's up in Binghamton, New York. And when I drove up there and I did the Binghamton interview, it was exactly where I had been driving by on the high high when I said, I wonder what I can do up here because we love the area so much. I was offered the job. I we uh, moved to state New York but that probably and uh, we've been here since like 1970 but that's the kind of synchrony that can occur if you have trust in God and, and you know I, I, I don't know what would happen or how but it did and that's just one of a lot of extraordinary stories no, I, I, I love. It. I love it. Uh, have you the book or the audio book from Johnny uh, Depp's? Yes. And it was that's what made me think. think a lot of it in New York too. And when yeah. you were saying that, it was it was really interesting. And I'm single, so I'm just when I talk typical about my synchronicities and you know where I am today. When they ask me, I'm like, oh well, you could do it because you were single. And I, I like for you to talk about what was, what was it like. There's having faith. There's also so five, mom, you know, the feed and the wife that uh, that 
opinion or your approach at that time to constantly work on staying on the same page? Physical body, 
which is called the universe. It's also called the Christ within. I added a way, uh, a sweeter way, St. Francis of Assisi organized that together in his beautiful ways of, that's how he thought. And that was a great gift opening up the approach to God and Jesus and, and the whole thing. But the way Francis would and and, and uh, pray to the fields and pray to the flowers, I said, to the animals, we can put it by God. And uh, that's, that's where the field is. That makes sense. No, it makes total sense. And, and it makes me think of a collective regret as well. Uh, you know, if there's something that happens, and now we have access to everything with with the and such, would you say that those are collective agreements to, to, to uh, if we can look at, I can only explain it in, in linear terms, but we agree to meet at a, at a place that that quantum field that we have that collective agreement with? Yeah, the quantum field is a thing, all, all on. What we go through and how we perform through it is, uh, it's obviously interplays with it, but it's not important with that. It's, it's what we, ourselves, what we have seen through the 70,000 years of, of uh, human being here, the modern, the modern human appears here in some way, 70,000 years, and, and, and it's slowly progressing. We're progressing, I believe, towards the ultimate reality probably 70,000 years from now, if we still survive this period of time, to where we will come the interplay of, of this world and the physical world at the same time. Because the universe has a finite life. And so we let, you know, it's, and, and, and that, uh, in one sense, we've probably been through the infinite number of times. Because something goes long ways. And it's been done in infinite length time. It's what I call it time. And it's only a measure of, of change, of, 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 so we have to do ourselves into where we are today. And where we are today, it's pretty good. It's, uh, what has made me every year is an uh, editor in the New York Times. That's about what happened in this past year. That's good.
progress of humanity for that two thousand before the return of Jesus, then as the first person of Christ, which is the physical universe, could say, this is where you're going. It is the road to go. And so that's how I, that's how I viewed it the past several years. I've put together history, archaeology, technology, quantum physics, and my conversations with the guy for 80 years to go on. That's what I was saying when you said it revived. <laughs> like you just said, uh, it made me think of the, the countless eras, right? They got Black Plague or World War II or the 2000 Y2K or anything. It seems like, oh, man, yeah, yeah. it's in the end. And then the next day happens. Oh, we did it wrong. And the possibility we may not. And, okay, that's the average universe just in those instances. And the movie probably is that out of the uh, hundreds of brilliant trillions of, of, of stars that are out there, some places that they had ever done, that, that has been stable enough in a stable enough atmosphere, uh, a place in, out there in its own galaxy, see, that doesn't matter. Uh, both, uh, both and and uh, so, I think of the uh, the theory of deja vu. Yeah. This isn't the first time that we've gone through this. You know, oh, didn't I do this before? Maybe you, you have. Well, <laughs> I didn't get it right, right that time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, it, it, I have extraordinary ego. When you say, oh, we're the only time that it's it never, I, I, in, in, infinite, you know, infinity? Yeah. No, no. No, no. But, it's possible. And there's nothing within any of the physics that I've read in occasionally by different writers, uh, even say it's flexible, that the universe is complete and that you can penetrate into any time just evolve from that point on or not. So they may be repeating it over and over and over. Or there may be a trillion other earths out there that we can go to and have a whole experience in a totally different way. Yeah, I think you'll like, uh, if you take time, I think you'll really like listening to uh, Bart Goldman. I think he really talks from that, from a, from a quantum family, that uh, I'm aware of, oh, this is my only timeline, and then you question that, and it's like, no, it's a million timeline. And then you may look at only past, and then you may say, oh, well, let me, let me future life that'll help me today. So it's just seeing how far, how far down a rabbit hole you can go.
You should go to the physical reality. You should go through the uh, the space time continuum to the point that 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 longer distance and as a function of time. And and, and you, when you transition back again, or get there when you're born again, it's a totally new experience. Right. Then there might be a It made me think of some conversations I had with people, and ultimately they, they always say, the more I know, the, the more I realize, the more I, I don't know. someone that's like, you know, down on the maybe supremely destitute, and a person that may hear that may say, well, that doesn't look like me. Uh, how would you address that? And if you could talk about maybe one step that you modify so the greater interest someone will run out and get your book. It's the very first step, which is from, from being, from not being able to handle uh, alcoholism. I have met by that, to not being able to handle where I am in life. Or, I don't remember what the actual stuff that I'm doing right now, unfortunately, and I haven't got it here. And uh, it's the fact that it comes up in life where you've heard of that song, Is That All There Is? You remember that? Yeah. Did you really say yeah. that the first one hurt? Is that all the rules? It went through the birth you know, uh, 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 of a loss of a, a loved one, and it says, is that all the rules? And when the person makes point of saying, is this all there is? That is them, the bottom of the barrel. And I've ever been used to turning them in the last pair of time. 
time until you die, which is what many people end up doing. And life, joyous life, happy life, paradise, right now, right here, that's that journey, that go down, and let God just sit there with you. That's all the best thing God is. God just sits with you and holds you. I love it. I love it. So where, where can they pick it up today? It's at any mail there. It's, it's in hardcover, softcover, every book. It's in uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Hay House, because it is like a book on the Pebble Press, which is part of the Hay House, and Press, and any, any paper that's on the line, any of the booksellers, if you can get the name of the book, it's just to join it and, and happiness. It will come up. Awesome. And you have just been in another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie Perspective. This is Hamza. And I'm David. And Dave Peters, it was a pleasure speaking with you, sir. And let's finish. I would love that. And it's a pleasure to chat with you. Yes, thanks for being there. Yeah. And for checking out another episode of Intrinsic Motivation from our Mommy's Perspective podcast. Please check us out on our website at intrinsicmotivation.life where you click on Beep Beep Python and leave any suggestions for a few podcasts that you'd like us to cover. Also check us out on our social media sites. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook page, Tunes podcast, in addition to Stitcher and Google Play, all under Intrinsic Motivation from a Home Perspective. Uh, next, next time, have a great day.